Tonight, we're going to finish up the fourth and final week of our series that we've called Overboard, looking at the life of Jonah. Now, if you've missed any weeks, I encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast. But what's happened so far is that God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go. In fact, he went 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. He gets on the ship. A storm comes. The guys on the ship throw him overboard. He's eaten by a whale, a big fish. He ultimately gets spit back out, eventually goes to Nineveh like God asked him to do in the first place. There's this amazing revival that takes place. We said last week that it was one of the greatest evangelistic missions in history, and that's where it brings us to today. Now, real talk. I'm 41 years old, and before I really started digging into this for this series, I thought that was the end of the story. Because listen, in Jonah chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, here's where we ended last week. Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. You see, we expect it to end on this note of triumph. We expect it to end saying, and Jonah returned to his own land rejoicing. But I have to tell you that Jonah has probably the most unexpected and overlooked final chapter in all of the Bible. Let's dive right in, because here's what it says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Wait, what? He just had the greatest evangelistic event in history up to this point. Thousands of people came to know Jesus. This is everybody in the city turned back to God. But here's what happens. Jonah, he was ticked. He was angry. I had a friend of mine back in in fifth grade. I remember one day he said to me he was leaving school early because he was going up to Chicago to see the Bulls. Now, this was in the height of... Of Michael Jordan's heyday. And I remember I couldn't wait that night to watch the game on TV. I took a shower, I got on my PJs, I sat down and watched it, and it was an amazing game. I remember Michael Jordan that night scored 61 points against the Hawks. And to this day, it's one of the top five highest scoring games of his career. And I couldn't wait. I kept watching for my friend, seeing if I could see him. He came back to school the next day, and I was like, dude, how was it? What an amazing game. And he's like, yeah, um, my hot dog was kind of gross. I was like, yeah, yeah, but Michael Jordan, like, come on. He's like, yeah, my dad wouldn't get me the jersey that I wanted, so. Yeah, but you saw an amazing, amazing game. Dude, I wish I was there. But he just kind of pouted the rest of the day. Anytime I brought it up, he wasn't happy. You see, I thought about that story as I was putting together this message because I think that's exactly what happened to Jonah. Jonah wasn't happy. He had just seen this amazing thing happen throughout Nineveh, but it didn't make him happy. In in fact, he was angry. You see, in my notes, I wrote him that Jonah is kind of the pouting prophet. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, Nineveh was located in the empire of Assyria. Now, they're known for being evil, evil people. And their reputation even preceded them that if you saw um, the Assyrians coming towards you, most people, it said, 
would commit suicide. They knew whatever was about to happen to them was going to be so horrific, so catastrophic, that they felt it was better to take their own life than to let that happen. Because in studying this, the Assyrians, it said, would take the prisoners into the desert. They would bury them in the sand up to their neck, and then they would take this leather strap and shove it in between their tongues, stake it into the ground, pull it all the way out, so that the people wouldn't be able to swallow, and that was how they would die in the scorching heat of the desert. You see, Assyria had made several attacks upon Israel, and it's very possible that Jonah had experienced that brutality firsthand. It's speculated that Jonah had lost someone he loved due to the Assyrians. So understandably, the Lord's request would have been difficult for Jonah to obey if you knew his history with the Assyrians. You see, I often say to take time to understand someone's story and you'll understand why they are the way they are. But Jonah, he didn't care whether they were saved or not. He hated the Assyrians. You see, have you ever hated someone so much that you didn't want anything good to happen to them? There's a kid I grew up with. We went to school together and his name was Nick. And I was so envious of him because he had these really cool shoes all the time. His parents would get him cool shoes that felt like every three or four months. And listen, many of you know I came from a a single parent family. We did not have money for nice shoes. In fact, I got my shoes from, from Walmart. And I'll never forget one day he came and he would always make fun of my shoes. And, and I was like, well, they're fine. They're getting me where I wanted, where I wanted to go. I could get to school. And one day he just hated me for some reason. He turned to me and he goes, Richardson, are you retarded or something? And you can imagine that didn't sit well. Well, later that day, we went outside to play kickball. And we were on um, opposing teams. And so my team was up. It was our turn and Nick was out in the, in the outfield. And I remember one of my best friends that was on my team, they pitched the kickball. My friend kicked it. It went way out into the outfield and it hit, hit Nick right in the face. Like, can you imagine? Some of you have pictured that before. You've seen it in movies or maybe it's happened to you before. And it hit him right in the face and blood just started to gush down his face. And I have to tell you, I wish I could say, oh, poor guy. I loved it. It was the greatest thing. Back then, I didn't do that crazy seal laugh that I do now, but I guarantee you, back in the day, I totally would have been sealing laughing at that guy. But listen what happens as we continue to go on with Jonah chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. So it says, Jonah complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Didn't I say you would do this? Didn't I say this would happen? Can I tell you, that's the way that Jonah looked at this. And I'll tell you right now, if you approach things with the wrong attitude, you will always get the wrong results. See, in this passage, it shows that Jonah is willing to give up his relationship with God if he doesn't get what he wants. 
I won't serve you, God, unless you give me this, until you give me this relationship, unless you fix my family, unless you get me into this best college. And we make that thing more important than God. Lord, I'd rather be alive than dead. And some of you have started to give up and you feel this way. You see, I recently read an article about a young man who made two suicide attempts by the age of 13. He was overwhelmed with the death of a family member. He endured racism and even abuse. Sometimes he had numerous bouts of severe depression. But through it all, he was an amazing student. He skipped two grades in high school and ended up graduating at the age of 15. He was a college graduate by 19. He became a husband, a father of four, and ultimately he was a catalyst that changed the direction of this country. And that man was Martin Luther King Jr. You see, sometimes I wonder what happens when we throw the towel in too soon. Can you imagine what the United States would be like today if perhaps Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had given up too soon. Can I tell you, that is never how God wants your story to end because he has a plan and a future even in the midst of hard times. Look what happens if we keep going in verses four and five. It says, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Jonah should have been the key person to help them along in their journey once they started believing in God, to help them learn more about who God truly is. Can I tell you, we all need that person in our lives. Instead, he became furious that they were being drawn closer to God. Rather than helping the people of Nineveh and teaching them more about God, he stayed outside of the city and almost hoped that God would change his mind and still judge it. You see, we recently just finished an amazing conference here at Riverside called Bloom. And Rach and I, over the last few months, man, we have prayed about this. We have prepared for it. And looking back, it was an amazing, amazing weekend to see women of all ages coming together. You see, that would be like me praying for Bloom, praying it for, for it to be successful, praying that the Holy Spirit shows up, and then being disappointed that it went well. That's what Jonah was doing. He saw amazing things happen. He was hoping for amazing revival. And then when it turned around, He was mad and disappointed. You see how soon Jonah forgot where he had just come from. He was stuck in the belly of a fish. He deserved judgment, but he received mercy instead. And he started moving in the right direction that God had laid out for him. But Jonah gets upset when this same scenario plays out for the Ninevites. Judgment, mercy, right direction. You see, sometimes we want grace for ourselves, but not grace for others. And we start comparing our sins. Have you ever done that? Well, look what they've done. If I had to put it on a scale, oh, that's a nine. But what I'm doing now, that's only a three or four. But I'll tell you, if you know grace, you should show grace. When we pray for bad things to happen to other people, or we dismiss them, or we're indifferent about what happens to them, 
We are completely out of line with the heart of God. God loves messed up people. And if you fall in line with the heart of God, he will always point you in the vicinity of loving those far from him. You see, you displease God when you care more about your own safety and your own interests than you care about the goodness and salvation of those around you. I've said it before and I'll say it again, lost people matter to God. When you know what God has done for you, your first response should be to tell others about him. You see, last week, I had the opportunity to go to Limestone High School. And I got to speak at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was such a fun time. It was a great group of students. But when we were done, everybody had to go back to class. And I said, oh, I'll just walk you to class. And it was Nat and Josh and Nigel and myself. And one by one, we took everybody to their class and we dropped them off. And Aubrey was actually the last one that I took. And and we took her to ceramics class, which I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I stood outside the door and she was getting ready to walk in. I just kind of peered through the window and the teacher was there on her computer, totally oblivious to what was going on. Nice lady, but totally shopping on Amazon. Um, And anyway, she finally got up as we were looking through the window. And I said, can I come in? Because there were people and they had this this clay and they're molding it and doing the kind of all this crazy stuff with us. And they're making some amazing, I don't even know what they were. And she goes, yeah, come on in. And so for the next 45 minutes to an hour, we were in the ceramics class and, and I got my hands dirty. I could not, I was terrible with it. They were trying to tell me I was talking to people at this table that clearly did not want anything to do with me. There was a girl having a birthday there. I go, Hey, we can sing happy birthday to you. And she's like, please don't. (laughs) And it was so funny that when we were done, we started to go to lunch. We went to A lunch and then um, some others are like, hey, I have B lunch. Can you stick around? We stuck around and ultimately um, we went to PE, which is my least favorite sport uh, or my least favorite subject ever. And just like back in the day when I was in high school, I just sat on the bleachers with the girls that were their time of the month. Um, Anyway, um, but as I sat in that cafeteria, I looked around and I thought, Man, if I could do this every week, how amazing would that be to get to know one another or for people to get to know me? And there was one guy that came up to me. He's like, who are you? And I got to explain myself and who I was. But I looked around that cafeteria because so many people still need Jesus in that school. And every school that's represented here tonight, there are so many people that still need to hear the love of Jesus because you see, Back in verse 5, it says that Jonah makes a temporary shelter outside the city, waiting to see what happens in Nineveh, almost hoping that God wouldn't spare them, that they would screw up so he could be there to say, yep, I told you so. Can I tell you, those are the most annoying type of people. Have you ever had that conversation? Yep, I told you so. I knew that wouldn't work. I knew you were doing it the wrong way. And you just want to like punch him in the face. Work in progress. But let's keep going in in verses 6 through 8. It says, And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. 
Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. You see that word arranged is used three times in three different verses. God arranged for a leafy plant to grow. God arranged for the worm to show up. God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. You see, that's just a reminder that God is in control of every aspect of our lives. You see, it's not a fluke. It's not just happenstance when good or bad things come into our life. Throughout Jonah's story, God sent a storm. And then later on, God sent a fish. And in this last chapter, God sent a plant. Sometimes when we walk through things, we think God is so far away, but man, God is always working behind the scenes. God is always orchestrating every single step of our life. If we would just be patient and lean into all that he wants to do in our lives. You see, Jonah was more concerned with his own short-term comfort than the long-term salvation of thousands of people. He was more concerned with the plant than the people. How often are we more wrapped up with our own comfort than the condition of others? Caring more about how I'm feeling rather than what's happening to those around me. You see, every person you see is made by God and for God. His image is stamped on them. The best way to love God is to love his children. You see, if somebody comes up to me and you want to love me, man, I'll tell you, you better love my kids. If one of you came up to me and said, I want to be friends with you, but I can't stand your daughter, that Ella, she's so annoying. Can I tell you, that ain't going to work. Because my daughter isn't perfect. She's difficult. She makes mistakes. But man, I love her unconditionally. God's got a plan for her. You see, and to love her even when she's difficult shows your love for me. To love other people when they're unlovable shows your love for God. And here's what it says in verse 9 through 11. It says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? The end. This is like one of those movies where the credits start to roll and you look to your friend sitting next to you and you're like, that's it? That's how it ends? You see, he poses one final question and without an answer, the book comes to a conclusion. I remember actually turning the page looking for an answer, but we're never told what Jonah's response was and whether or not he completely understood and accepted God's mercy. I think it forces us to contemplate our own destiny, our own conclusion. Like I said in week one, there's a Jonah in all of us. Will you choose to be bitter or choose to be better? You see, when I read about Jonah, I can't help but think about Jesus. Because I think in so much of the story of Jonah, it's a foreshadowing to the story of Jesus. See, Jonah was a sacrifice for his sin. Jesus 
was a sacrifice for our sin. Jonah waited for his enemies to be punished, but Jesus was punished for his enemies. Jonah was resurrected from the depths after three days. Jesus was resurrected from the grave after three days. Jonah was a sinner who ran from God, but Jesus is a God who runs towards sinners. In this book, we find that Jonah wasn't rejected, but redeemed. You see, God is too loving to destroy Jonah or leave him where he was. And he feels the exact same way about each of us. And so tonight, you may have questions just like Jonah did. You may be in a place where you feel like God was there once and now he's turned his back and you have questions about things that don't make any sense at all. My challenge to you tonight is that you just hand them over to God. My challenge to you is you run back to God and say whatever you want to do, even when it doesn't make any sense, God, I'm giving my life over to you. That you would start to see people a little bit differently, that we wouldn't write them off, but they, we would write them in, that we would write them into our story, that we would write them into our lives. You see, I said to my Ella a few weeks ago, I always challenge her. We do this thing called Breakfast Club for Junior High students every Sunday morning. And when we have somebody new, I encourage her to go do it. And one week she just wasn't about it. And I said, just go, go talk to this new girl. And with tears in her eyes, she said, Dad, I'm not like you. I just can't go up and talk to anybody. So true. She's amazing, but in a lot of ways we're different. And we had a conversation later. And I said, I totally understand where you're coming from, Ella. But maybe, just maybe, you talking to that new girl would make her feel like she's a part of something. Maybe just you talking to her today is maybe just what she needs and what God has orchestrated today. Not to have all the right words, but just to invite her in. To invite her to be a part of something. You never know that you might be part of her story. And so tonight, I just want to pray with us. I want to pray over us. That throughout these last four weeks, just like there's a Jonah in each and every one of us, but God wasn't through with Jonah and he certainly isn't through with you. Will you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for every single person in this room today. I thank you for every student. I thank you for every leader. And God, I pray right now that no matter what we're going through, no matter when things don't make mis- make any sense and we're kind of all over the place, God, that you would just bring calm into our lives. That even when we have questions about things, that we know that you're there with us every single step of the way. And so God, I pray that we would be open, that we would see people the way that you see them. That to know you is to love your kids. And so God, I pray that you would give us opportunities to do that in the next few days, in these next few weeks. God, I thank you for loving us every time we've ran away, even time, all those times that we've questioned you, every time that we think you don't have things in control, you always come back and show us, I've got a plan. I still love you. Trust me. 
And so God, I pray that for each of us, we just lean into all that you want to do in each of one of our lives today. I thank you, God, and in your name, amen.